about Prabhupada, because it was Prabhupada's disappearance day last Wednesday. This is, <clears throat> we're in 2020, for those of you watching this video, in the year 2020-whatever, 20 I was going to say 2070. Who knows when you're watching this. And prior to that, we were discussing various topics which were, I think, of great importance to our lives as devotees. And we, these were topics that were coming to me, problems that I was having to deal with or discussing with devotees. And then so we had gone off topic. I mean, they were related to the topic of Maya, but they were very specific topics of Maya and not relating to the general topic of Maya. And uh, we had also then began discussing internal guidance. We had read some things that Prabhupada said about the Supersoul as another form of guru that we get guidance from, and a very important form of guru, not really any less than one's guru, but working synergistically with one's guru, there's the guru within. So we had, we had discussed that and we had read um, for about two days, two to three days, quotes that Srila Prabhupada had written, quotes from Srila Prabhupada, and I think now it's, I think that was clear what we got from that, that there is another guru who will guide you, and uh, it may be a guru that is overlooked, but he is the guru. Prabhupada is the guru, and Supersoul is the guru. So today I think we can again go back to the documents I was reading, which were mostly letters from Srila Prabhupada, who was describing the position of Maya and also Yogamaya, although we haven't spoke much about Yogamaya. But in those letters, there is discussion also, but it's later on in the letters now we've been focused on Maya, just, just understanding how Maya works. Uh, this morning I was thinking... When I was chanting Gayatri Mantra, I was thinking, and Prabhupada said, <coughs> chant Gayatri Mantra morning, noon and evening. It's a regulation. Of course, we have other regulations. We should rise before the sun, and we should chant, and so forth. And I was thinking, for someone who's very Krishna conscious, you don't need these regulations because it's your default position to hear and chant. You'll just do it. You'll just naturally do it. Sun's at noon, you just chant Gayatri. You'll just wake up early. You'll want to chant, you'll want to read, you'll want to serve. That's the transcendental default position. But for the conditioned soul who's not there yet, <clears throat> the, the, the default position is actually Maya. And that's why when a devotee said, sometimes I fall into Maya, and Prabhupada said, no, you're always in Maya, sometimes you fall into Krishna. So sadhana is falling into Krishna, and our default is that we're in maya, because if you stop sadhana, what do you have left? You have your conditioning. You'll give in. We will all give in to our conditioning, our natural tendency to want to imitate Krishna and enjoy like Krishna. And, and so when you put down your guard, which would mean you give up sadhana, not that I'm saying you would or should, but if a devotee does, then they, they go back into the default position, and the default position is maya, conditioned. 
I want, I'm the controller, I'm the enjoyer. False ego, I'm the body. Uh, what can I get from myself? How can I be happy? That's just where we naturally go. So sadhana blocks that. It doesn't allow you to go there because as soon as you start to go there, oh, I have to chat my rounds. Oh, I have this service. Oh, it's time for class. So there's no time actually to be in Maya. And Prabhupada used to speak like that. Like, don't, don't have any gaps in your bhakti, then you, there'll be no time for you to be in Maya. So I think that's, that's an important realization. We're always in Maya. And sometimes we fall into Krishna when we do sadhana. I just have to fix my light, excuse me, for one moment. Brightly enough. So, and if we if we read Prabhupada's letters in this context of, well, we're always in Maya, and sometimes we fall into Krishna, and we we read the letters in in this context and the context of sadhana as the thing which blocks you, which 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 are your boundaries, your borders, your walls, so you don't fall into Maya, then it'll all make sense. Or not all make sense, it'll make more sense in that context. So I was giving so many classes this weekend, I kind of lost my voice a little bit. Can you hear I'm a little hoarse? Yeah, there was a lot of classes, a lot going on. We had Talked about Damodar Leela. Uh, 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 hopefully these classes will go up. We talked about the Damodar Leela and the mercy of Narada Muni. Analukavara Manigriva was focused on that. We had done a class on Japa. We actually had done two classes on Japa. We spoke at the men's retreat uh, about the proliferation of pornography and the effects of pornography on a person's consciousness, on their relationships, and the addictive nature of it. Uh, it's a very interesting topic and very, very concerning and somewhat, for me, um, a bit depressing to understand because we see, we just see Kali Yuga in full force now, the way Kali is using social media. 30% um, of the Internet sites are pornographic. And I read a very depressing article where um, there was some very, very, uh, in the 80s, some very hardcore porn that came out, and there was a case against them. And they lost the case, the people who produced this. And, you know, it was kind of like, it was just bad on every level. And it, it was a, a human rights violation of what they were having these people in the movies have to do and and it was considered obscene in, and so forth and then they took it to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said you can't stop it it's free speech so this is where we're going it, it's horrible and the target of pornography is is mostly adolescent kids get them addicted young and it's, it's a huge industry it's like um Hollywood makes 300 movies a year and pornography makes like 3,000 or 2,000 or, or 4,000, some, some drastic number of movies. It's, it's just it's insane what it's doing and it's destroying young men and women 
men are more attractive, but women also. And it's destroys relationships. It puts, uh, it's an escape, it's a drug, it just destroys like any drug would destroy. But I think it's even worse because a drug just is, you know, it's destructive to you and the people around you, but pornography is specifically destructive to marital relationships because the man is having relationships in his mind with other women. When you're drinking alcohol, it's not like there's a relationship in your mind with another person and that your husband or wife is not good enough for you. But with pornography, that's what happens. So it was, um, it was a heavy class, and it will be up sooner or later. It was specifically for men, but if women are tough, they could listen to it because it's male-oriented, but it's a problem for women also. So um, it really, it, it just plays, it, Pornography plays into the most base of human instincts. And it provides something that's so illicit and so wrong, it becomes attractive. Just like Krishna, he likes his girlfriends to be married. It's so, it's so much more illicit to dance with a married woman. But Krishna likes it, the more illicit it is the more exciting it is. Just like devotees who know me, if I go on a walk and I see some nice place to walk into, some nice property, and it says no trespassing, that's, my, that's like my cue. Oh, if it says no trespassing, let's go in there. It's like that makes it, if you're not supposed to go in there, it makes it like more special. If it's just, oh, go and buy a ticket, you can go in, there's millions of people going in. Oh, that's not special. But here, nobody's there, and it says no trespassing. It's this beautiful, beautiful place, beautiful gardens. And they go, well, what, what happens if they catch us? They'll just ask us to leave. I don't think they'll shoot us. It's exciting. It's more exciting for me. I don't know. My daughter doesn't think it's exciting. But from the male perspective, it's exciting. So we, we walk in. We walk around. No trespassing. So Krishna... That's what he likes. It's like it's inter it's more exciting. It's more interesting. I've got another man's wife in the middle of the night, and she left his house, and she's married to another man. Now that's exciting. And just you know, going out with your wife, from the exciting point of view, it's not as exciting in the male psyche. So that male psyche, of course, is a perversion of what Krishna does. And so. As we try to imitate that, it's the most base, grossest imitation of Krishna possible. You know, Krishna, he he plays with his gopis, he steals their clothes, all these things. And so it is a, uh, it is not supposed to be what we do, but pornography allows you to do that. Uh, of course, not physically, but what you imagine in your mind you're doing, it's it has the same effect on you. So it was, uh, it was an important talk, and it was very difficult for me to prepare for that talk because I had to read so many things about it that were very disturbing. And I had to read things. Uh, it just led itself into prostitution, childhood prostitution. Uh, I saw an interview of a man who had raped and killed women and why he did it, and he said it was because he got addicted to pornography and he just needed more and more of the drug, the sexual drug, because that's what it does. It was very difficult to study it, but very important.
And then I went to many sites, Catholic, Mormon sites. They have um, other Christian sites. Very elaborate, very elaborate web pages about this topic, uh, offering help, guidance, support. Uh, unusual when I saw that. Not unusual that they're doing it, but unusual that ISKCON doesn't have that. And just now we're starting something. I'm starting something. Some other devotees are starting something. Other devotees are thinking about it. But this is right in the center. These are web pages dedicated just for helping people who have problems with this. Books and books and articles and articles and support and apps to block pornography and uh, accountability partners. So many things. They've really tackled it. They've really understood the problem and tackled it. And it's just interesting that we haven't done that. It's, I, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm just saying it's interesting. And we could question why. And I think one of the reasons is it's, um, it's just become a bit taboo in this to openly speak about these things. We openly speak about not having sex. That we speak about in so many classes. But beyond that, it's, I guess, uncomfortable. Or uh, the realities are un very uncomfortable, especially that one, to talk about. But it's a real problem. So we had spoken about that. And we had spoken on Sunday. Uh, one of the classes was on Japa, the priority of Japa, why we need to give it priority. Uh, one of the classes was uh, how how to practically create an environment where your mind will be peaceful so you can chant from the first bead, good rounds. And then we did a class on Vrindavan Leela on Sunday. We were discussing the Leela of Vrindavan, trying to understand it more, and also understanding the working, workings of Yoga Maya. And to understand the workings of Yoga Maya, uh, we need to understand the workings of Maya also because they're the, the exact opposite. And so we talked a little bit about what we have t spoken about before, about how, how Maya covers us because we want to be covered. Maya illusions us because we want to be illusioned. We need that illusion. Uh, sometimes we want to forget Krishna because if we forget Krishna, then we can actually enjoy without guilt. Guilt-free enjoyment. How do, you, how do you have guilt-free enjoyment aside from transcendental enjoyment? <clears throat> how do you have guilt-free material enjoyment? Well, if you can forget Krishna, then you won't feel guilty because then if you forget Krishna, then you can forget there's any absolute right or wrong, absolute morality. You can make excuses. You can relativize morality and then rationalize anything basically so and then so maya covers and then yoga maya uncovers but she also covers she covers krishna's position as the supreme lord but she uncovers uh, as needed so um yeah there was this, we were reading about nalakavara mani griva and krishna was actually talking to them when they were praying, responding, and he was bewildering them. 
He was having fun. He was just enjoying bewildering them. And then he felt sorry for them. He said, I've got them so confused now. So he took his sambit shakti, which is his knowledge shakti, and he just bestowed it upon them. And then all of a sudden they understood everything. So it was a spiritual shakti. <clears throat> they couldn't understand Krishna. Yogamai was acting in a certain way. And then he said, okay, well, act. she can act in another way. And then we can create a situation where they will understand me. And he put his shakti, and then they understood him. And but one, uh, this one thing I want to tell, in case you don't get to hear this lecture. That one, I think, because it's Dhammadhar month, it's, it's something you might want to listen to. One of the funniest things in this, in this leela was Nalakavaramani Griffith were praying to Krishna. And they were saying, you know, you can you control the whole universe and everyone is bound by the modes of nature. And as soon as they said that, Krishna he start he started laughing. He couldn't stop himself from laughing. And he was thinking, they're telling me that everyone is bound by material nature. Look at me, I'm sitting here bound to a mortar with a rope. And he thought that was so funny, he was just busting up. Look at this, I'm sitting here like a cow tied to a pole. And they're telling me everyone's bound by the modes of nature. This is so funny. And then Krishna thought, he said, wait a minute, they don't know why I'm laughing. And they probably think I'm laughing at them. Or this is not polite. They're, uh, they're guests here in my courtyard. Uh, I live here, and they're guests. And, and so he, he stopped smiling and laughing and pacified them. But I thought that was funny. You see how Krishna, Krishna enjoys these leelas. And Yoga Maya uh, works to help him enjoy. And one of the ways Yoga Maya works in the leela is that sometimes Krishna needs to be God and sometimes he doesn't. So when he pulled the trees down, he needed to be God because he needed that power, that what we call Aishvarya, that opulence. So so he was his Aishvarya Shakti knocked the tree down, but his Yogamaya Shakti was he was just a baby, so they were like both working together. But at that point he needed that Shakti. So Yogamaya comes. Okay. Um arranges for this Aishvarya Shakti or Krishna arranges and then the trees come down and then but the the Yogamaya was there also because it's just it's just a little baby doing this. And you probably heard that Vishnu is the one who kills the demons, not Krishna. So you have Krishna's form, but it's Vishnu inside of him that's actually killing the demons. So you have this Yoga Maya covering, but Vishnu is there with this Aishvarya, with his Shakti, to kill the demons. So Yoga Maya works in interesting ways. Um, there's one pastime when Krishna was crying, as you know, from the song. He cried and rubbed his eyes again and again with his tootle of his hands, because Mother Yusuf had a stick. Had a stick. It was the first time. Ever, Krishna ever saw Malayasoda with a stick, and he was shaking, frightened, right? So what happened was, because Krishna's 
the supreme personality of Godhead, when he cries, he doesn't just cry a little bit. He actually cried puddles of water. And there was a puddle of water at his feet. And Yogamaya thought, uh-oh, if Mother Yajusoda sees this puddle, she's not going to think that Krishna is her son. She's going to think he's God or something, something godly, something special. So we had to do something about this. And so Yogamaya came and dried up the puddle. So Yogamaya works that way. And, and sometimes for the Leela, Krishna needs to know he's God. And sometimes for the Leela, he needs to know that he's not God. He needs to forget. So these things go on. Yogamaya works that way. It's Yogamaya works just to enhance the pastimes. <laughs> and Maya works to get in the way. Maya works to mess everything up. And Yoga Maya works to make everything perfect in the Leela and attract the devotees to Krishna. There's one other thing I want to say that is really interesting. And I I I think I knew this, but I forgot it. So <laughs> Nalakavaramani Griva, they're saying, You're the Supreme Personality of God, and Krishna's saying, how, how do you know? He said, well, your name's Krishna. He goes, ah, so many people. Their name is Krishna. And they said, they said, but we know you're God because we've been sitting in your courtyard. We saw you kill Putana. We saw you, we saw all these pastimes. And then they said something really interesting. They said, and we saw when you opened your mouth. We saw the whole universe there. And when you hear the Leela, there's no, you don't get the sense that anybody other than Jasoda saw what was going on, right? And they saw it. They got to see the universe in Krishna's mouth. Hmm. And at that point, it is said by the Acharyas, or in the commentary, or Srila Prabhupada, when Mother Yasoda saw the universe in Krishna's mouth, it's because. Yogamaya potency, it was gone. And Mother Yasoda thought, oh my God. I don't think she said, oh my God. Maybe she said, oh my Narayan. My son is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And I'm thinking I'm his mother. And Nanda Maharaj is my husband. This is all illusion. So that Yogamaya potency was totally removed. Gone for a moment. And then Yogamaya came thinking, you know, this isn't good. If this lasts too long, Mother Yus this is going to totally destroy Mother Yusoda's relationship with Krishna because she'll know he's God. And if she knows he's God, it's like, it's like, how is it? You know, you, you have this friend and, you know, you're really close and one day you find out he's like the prince of Egypt and this and that and it's like oh I wish I didn't know you know it's like people are worshiping him and something I don't know if that's not a good example but something like that <clears throat> so Yogamaya thought this is a problem Mother Yasoda has just realized that Krishna is God like what could be worse than that so then Mother Yasoda gave uh, excuse me Yogamaya gave Mother Yasoda transcendental amnesia 
she completely forgot. And she never remembered that Leela, she never remembered that she saw the universe in Krishna's mouth. Because if she remembered, she would remember that he's God, I'm not really his mother, etc. So Yoga Maya came and it's like, this is a problem. So that pastime was totally forgotten by Mother Yasoda. There's no remembrance of it. But <clears throat> isn't it interesting that Nalukaveramani Grivas, they saw it. They got to see that. And that was their argument. So we saw that. That's how we know you're the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So Krishna was playing with them. So Yogamaya, she makes sure that the devotees' love for Krishna is unimpeded and that the devotees become attached to Krishna. And Mahamaya makes sure devotees stay away from Krishna. But ultimately, it rests on our desire. And Mahamaya will only cover us to the degree that we don't want to be Krishna conscious. So that was like a little summation. I didn't summarize the Japa class, but the main point in Japa I was making is that when you chant Japa, you can't, you can't be involved with your life inside your mind and your heart you can't be meditating on what you're doing what are you going to do next what you didn't do and thinking about a million things you have to completely turn the off switch on in your mind and i told everybody you all have an off switch on your mind you just have to find it and learn how to use it and if you can learn to use the off switch on your mind then your japa is going to escalate to new levels of transcendent ecstasy because you're not going to be thinking about anything other than the holy name and your relationship with the holy name. But when the on switch is on, then you're like thinking about everything. Zoom, 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 zoom. The mind's flying everywhere. And so you're thinking of all these things except you're chanting. And then we talked about creating the proper moods before you chant. So that's one way you create the mood, but you know, connecting with what the holy name means when you chant. If you disconnect from what it means, and you don't turn your mind off, you're chanting. I don't want to say it's useless, but let's just say it's not it's very effective. You're not, going to get, you're not going to get the full result of what the Holy Name can give you. But if you're in the right mood, the mood of prayer, and you've put that switch off on your mind, you're going to get something very, very powerful. And I would say that Anytime you're looking at your life and you're looking at big challenges and problems and anarthas and attachments, there's a good chance that you're not in the proper mood when you chant and you haven't turned your life off. And so you're not really getting enough from your chanting to help you overcome those problems. Now, obviously there's some problems, traumas and psychological and emotional are deeply rooted that even good rounds may not entirely overcome. That I'm talking about normal problems. You know, you've been to you've been to war and you're traumatized, or you've been molested, you're traumatized. Yeah, that's that's going to need a help. And I'm talking about normal problems. A lot of times, these normal problems, normal obstacles, will be easy to overcome if our chanting is better. So that's a summary. And I took up my chanting time and more with that summary. Uh, maybe that was an advertisement that you can go watch those videos. Okay, so now... Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was strange. I, my voice is like this. It was. Well, five classes plus like a meeting where I was also talking. So it was like six classes. I don't know how teachers do it. <clears throat> I guess they don't give six hour and a half classes in, uh, in two days, but maybe they do. Their voice gets used to it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's more, there's more talk now about uh, uh, pornography. It's become such a problem. Uh, there's a group of devotees, Karunavatar, Jai Jagannath, and some others, they they're talking about it. Uh, I've heard another devotee, Deva Madhava, made a podcast about it. Uh, yes, some of you watch some of the classes. Um, Shravaniya says, I love to hear about what Krishna is thinking about his own pastimes and the prayers to him. He has a great sense of humor and sensitivity. Where was it written? The Dhammadar. Um, that's in a book called uh, Dhammadar Janani by Shivaram Swami. I don't know how you get it. Um, I actually have it on PDF, which means I could give it to you. But then 100 people are going to write me, so I have to hundred times give it. And I don't know if I can put it up anywhere legally if it's if Maharaj would allow it. But I'm assuming he would if it's available on a PDF. So maybe I don't know, we have to find I have to find out. Or if somebody any of you out there able to find out from him if we can do that? It's a, a deep study of Dhamadar Lila. It's beautiful. Um, so we just put up a link that doesn't work. Hmm. Well, maybe someone else can try that link. Uh, let's see. Uh, works for me. Okay. Works for Krishnamayi. Sri Damodar Janani. They don't allow. No, they don't allow it, so I can't give it to you. Um, regular hydration. Uh, okay, time to drink something. Hold on, everyone. I'll be back in 10 seconds. Drinking dandelion, chicory, and I think barley. actually fill you up. Okay, someone... Uh, yeah, I have um, also on my SoundCloud, I have, I have um, classes I gave which were based on his book I gave a few years ago in Brindaban on Dhammadar Lila, so everything is there. So otherwise you maybe could buy the book online somewhere. But if not... Um, that's there, and that gives an overview. Uh, and so, 
from that book you learn a lot of details that aren't in the Bhagavatam. More interesting details. So if you want to go there, just go to SoundCloud and just scroll down until you come to the Dhammadar Lila. One of the, the main themes of that course was the mercy of Narada Muni. Because Krishna told Naluka Viramani Griva, he said, you know, you don't deserve you don't deserve what you're getting, but Narada wanted to give you love, and so I'm doing it because he wanted it. And Krishna was crying, and he was saying, Narada is so merciful. So when he was thinking of Narada, he just was overwhelmed by Narada's compassion. And Narada, Narada wanted them to get love of God, and so they lived for Vrindavan as trees for 20,000 years, and they got purified. And Narada said, you know, I wanted you to get love of God, but I couldn't give it to you because you weren't ready for it. So you had to live in Vrindavan and get purified. And so Krishna, uh, they, when they saw Krishna, they were ready. They were purified. So whether they got love when they saw him or they already had it, it's hard to say. Maybe a little of both. But they got purified living in Vrindavan, and then they became ready. And so Krishna said, this is the only reason this is happening is Narada Muni's mercy otherwise. You guys, no, you didn't deserve this. Excuse me. Sunny today. You didn't deserve this mercy. But Narada wanted to give it to you, and I'm obliged to fulfill his desire. That's the power of the pure devotee. Okay. All right. So let us go. And although it sounds funny, I was just going to say something, which I've said many times, but now it's sounding funny to me. Let's go read about Maya. Sounds funny, right? Aren't we supposed to read about Krishna? Why are you spending time reading about Maya? Because if we don't spend some time about reading about Maya, we may never end up reading about Krishna because we'll be in Maya. So that's why. And of course, these are Prabhupada's words. So I'm just going to bring up the document. And sometimes... When you bring up a document, it actually says, Welcome back. Pick up where you left off. Ta-da. And I start reading where I left off, and some devotee says, No, no, we already read that. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, we're going to read where it left off. Um, um, mm, mm. I have to see, but some, some of what I could read could be redundant, and so I'm just brushing through this paragraph to see. Uh, hmm. Anyway, let's read it. Our goal is Krishna, and we are preaching the gospel of the Bhagavad Gita. In the Bhagavad Gita, the point is stressed to concentrate on Krishna only. This is in regards to other groups talking about other gods. And the highest perfection of yoga process is to realize Krishna both externally and internally. We're teaching to vibrate the transcendental chanting of Hare Krishna, hearing the sound vibration of Krishna. And 
and learning to see everything as diverse extension of Krishna's external energy. In other words, learning to see everything as Krishna's energy. Because we think of Krishna always in all our activities, therefore, internally, we are 24 hours in meditation with Krishna. I don't think this group or that group is teaching like that, so how it can be accepted as the goal. So, um, do you remember this story? There was a morning walk. It, we're in San Francisco, it must have been the late 60s. And they're walking in Golden Gate Park. And, you know, these are new devotees, and they're wondering, you know, we're walking with a pure devotee. And it said a pure devotee sees Krishna everywhere. So they're naturally wondering, what does that mean to see Krishna everywhere? How does a pure devotee see Krishna everywhere? And, you know, one, one way we would naturally think is, well, he sees the super soul in every atom, in every heart. Or he sees Krishna in the form of his worshipful deity, Sham Shundar, in every atom, in everyone's heart, in between every atom, he sees everyone as spirit soul. And Prabhupada didn't say that. They asked him, he said, what does it mean a pure devotee sees Krishna everywhere? And he said, if a mother sees the shoes of her child, what does she think of? She thinks of her child because it's the child's shoes. Interesting. Then Prabhupada said, the pure devotee sees this is Krishna's tree, this is Krishna's flower, like that. They should think of that example. When the mother sees the child's shoes, immediately the shoes are connected to the child, obviously, because she sees them as the child's shoes. If I could see the tree as Krishna's, you would have that same connection. Interesting, isn't it? So what does the pure devotee see when he sees the tree? It's Krishna's tree. Therefore, then we're thinking, oh, he's only seeing Krishna's tree. That doesn't seem very elevated. But Prabhupada's point is, he's seeing it as Krishna's tree, but he's just like the mother. She's seeing it as the child's shoes, but what is she thinking of? The shoes are the child's, or she's thinking of the child? Obviously, she's thinking of the child. That's what the shoes remind her of, the child, not the child's shoes, and that's it. All this Krishna's tree, and that's it. That may be how we see it, but for more advanced devotee, that's Krishna's tree, so who is Krishna? And then they think of Krishna, his qualities, form, and so forth. So he can look at a tree and think it's Krishna's tree, immediately think of Krishna. We might just think, oh, it's Krishna's tree. So, you know, don't touch it unless you can use it in a service. Okay, that's good. That's also thinking of Krishna. But Prabhupada's referring to, no, this is how the devotee sees Krishna everywhere. Because it remind, everything reminds him of Krishna. And if you're not a devotee, or you're a devotee who's being affected by maya, then everything will remind you of sense gratification. Oh, here's a tree, how can we enjoy it? We can sit under the shade, we can take its fruits, or nuts chop it down and build a house. How can we enjoy it? Here's the grass. How can we enjoy it? Well, there's not much enjoyment you can get out of, a grass, out of grass, but it's beautiful. We can look at it, so let's enjoy that. Here's a nice sunset. Oh, let's look at that. We can enjoy that. A famous, famous story. I don't know if you heard this story. Very early, also in San Francisco, they used to go to the beach. The devotees liked to go to the beach and do kirtan with Prabhupada. 
You may have seen some pictures or videos. And uh, when they were doing the Prem Vidwani, Prabhupada said, all glories to all glories to the Pacific Ocean. They were at the Pacific Ocean. So one of the devotees was watching the sunset and, and he was saying it's so beautiful. And Prabhupada, understanding his mentality, understood that he was not seeing the sunset beautiful in relation to Krishna. This is Krishna's eye. But he was seeing the sunset as beautiful in relation to a, a, a vision that gives him pleasure. Right? So, like I said, what does Maya mean? You turn everything into Krishna's, into your pleasure. So then Prabhupada told him, if you're, he said, if you're attached to the sunset, meaning, if you're attached to enjoying or if you're attracted to see something beautiful for your pleasure. Oh, this is beautiful. Let's go to the beach and watch the sunset. Did you ever do that before you were a devotee? You know, let's get up early in the morning and watch the sunrise. Let's let's go to the mountain and watch the sunset. Let's go to the beach and watch the sun. Yeah. What what's what are you doing? You're enjoying a beautiful vision. And so Prabhupada said, if you're attached to this sunset, seeing this sunset. He said, you'll have to come back and take birth. In, in other words, if you're attached to enjoying through your eyes this sunset or anything. But when a devotee sees the sun, oh, that's Krishna's sun, that's Krishna's eye, then he thinks Krishna, the person, the and the qualities, the form, the leelas, that's what he thinks of. It reminds him of Krishna. <laughs> if you're not Krishna conscious, then you see it and it's like, oh, that sunset is so beautiful. And, and you know, you have no idea how beautiful Krishna is. And that sunset's supposed to remind you of Krishna. It's Krishna's eye, yeah, but who's Krishna? That, that boy that was tied up by that rope, that little baby boy, that, that little young boy, that's Krishna. The one who was crying floods of tears, that Krishna. That's who it reminds you of. That's who it's supposed to remind you of. So... Maya means everything that should remind you of Krishna because it belongs to Krishna reminds you of or it converts it converts into how can I enjoy this? They have this word in marketing convert. You do an ad and how many people is it converting people to buy your product or service? So, you know, for if we're not in the right consciousness, everything converts into maya. It's just it's automatic. You see that, oh, let's let's go for it like that. One time when Prabhupada was going to America, Sumati Maharaji, who gave him passage 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 on the steamship. I don't know if she was serious or joking, and she said, "Oh, Swamiji, you're going to America to, you know, enjoy American life." She was probably joking, but it seemed like Prabhupada took it seriously. He said, "There's no way. I'm not, you know, I'm not. That's not who A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami is. He's not going to America to see some beautiful sights and enjoy nice food and nice living." And one time. 
I believe it was Hawaii. They were taking Prabhupada around. He said, would you like to go here, Prabhupada? You can, you know, there's some very beautiful trees you can see. And we were told Prabhupada said something like, I've seen so many trees in my life, I don't need to go see more trees. So, you know, this is, this is the quote-unquote normal way people see things. Yeah, let's just go look at something. It's beautiful. We can enjoy. We can enjoy it. And what's so interesting about this is that Bhakti Siddhanta has taken this idea of seeing beautiful trees or seeing a sunset or what to speak of, seeing a beautiful man or woman or anything that's gratifying visually. He's taken that and he said that often we have that mentality when we look at the deity. We're looking at the deity to enjoy seeing the beauty of Krishna, which for a lot of devotees it doesn't make sense. It's like, I'm seeing the deity, what, what could be better than that? And Am I not supposed to be attracted and am I not supposed to enjoy? No, we are supposed to be attracted, but enjoyment, that's a tricky word. We're not, so Srila Bhakti Siddhanta says, not supposed to enjoy with our eyes the deity. The deity is actually supposed to enjoy you because our constitutional position is to be enjoyed. And Krishna's constitutional position is to be the enjoyer. So when we see the deity, we, we're in the mood of, Krishna, you're the enjoyer, I've come here to serve, and you enjoy seeing me. That's actually, although it may not make sense to you, that's actually the, the right way to understand it. You, you come to take darshan, but really it's Krishna seeing you. So like Krishna, I've shown up. And you'll think, well, why would Krishna want to see me? That's the proper mood, though, that you've shown up as the subordinate, the enjoyed. He enjoys seeing his devotees. Bhunki Bihari runs off the altar in Vrindavan because he's so attracted to the devotees. That's why they don't keep the curtain open very long, because they're afraid he's going to run off, because he ran off once. So you may know the story. I've told it before. But I think not all of you know. I think it was Srila Bhakti Siddhanta. I think he had taken his glasses off and he was taking darshan from a distance. Then devotees could understand that he, he, without his glasses, he couldn't see. Or maybe the story was he was, it must have been he didn't have his glasses, he couldn't see. And so they're asking him, and how, how is it you're taking darshan but you can't see the deed? And he said, no. Deity is seeing me, that's the darshan. And I think the best way to understand this is we cover the plate with a cloth so no one will lust after the prasadam because if anyone enjoys the prasadam through their vision or through their smell, because it's been enjoyed, it's unofferable, it becomes boga. Everything has to be given to Krishna, not enjoyed by anyone. So. It's covered in, we're totally in the mood of service. So in the same way, we see the deity, we see the kirtan, any service offered to Krishna is for his enjoyment, it's not for our enjoyment. So it's offered for his enjoyment. We don't, as Bhakti Siddhanta said, uh, you know, kirtan is not for your enjoyment. You like this or like that, it's for Krishna's enjoyment. So that's our disease. It's like we, we try to kind of turn everything, everything out there in this world, the 
conditioned mind is always thinking, how can I enjoy this? Isn't it? That's the problem. Okay, we can read a little more. Well, let me go back and see if you have anything to say about that. I think I need to close the curtains. It's so bright here. Sun is beaming in on us. Daylight savings. Uh, <laughs> Jessica saying, is there yoga maya and maha maya? Yeah. There is, definitely. One is good and one is not good. The Mahamaya is why, is why we are here and the Yoga Maya is why we'll go back there. Subhadra, Yoga Maya. Yeah, okay, so let's read a little more. See what Prabhupada is saying here. Accepting that Krishna is everything. What is aimed by these other groups is also Krishna, but Krishna says that although everything is an expansion of himself, he is not in everything. In other words, they don't, they're aiming for Krishna, but they don't understand the personal form. In our material experience, we can understand everything is ultimately produced of sunshine, but that does not mean everything is sunshine. Rather, other things cover the sunshine and create a shadow. These other groups are nothing but the expanded energy of Krishna. Their activities are the energy of Krishna, but their work is covered. Therefore, it is called Maya. Maya has no separate existence beyond Krishna, but where, when there is Maya, Krishna is covered, exactly like the cloud is nothing but a creation of the sunshine. The cloud has no independent existence. But whenever there is a cloud in the sky, the sunshine becomes covered. Therefore, it is Maya. So, what is Maya? Covering of Krishna. Simple definition. Maya means things which have no existence independent of Godhead. But it's business to... In other words, Prabhupada saying nothing... Nothing is independent of Godhead, but Maya means to cover Godhead, so it seems like things can exist independently. Water is generated from fire, but we can't pour water when the fire is blazing. We cannot adulterate Krishna consciousness with these other, he's asking about these other groups. He's just saying, Krishna is there, but he's not there in his personal form. So he's, you know, they're talking about Krishna's energy. But still they're covering Krishna. So whenever Krishna's covered, that's Maya. So Maya can be to different degrees, right? Sometimes people are in Maya, but they're not. Everything is not Maya, or it's it's not full blown Maya. It's partial. They have some spiritual understanding. And that's the point Prabhupada's making here. So this is now we're at, we're in August of 1968. Excuse me, we're in August of 1969. August of 69. Yeah. So far, Maya's activities are concerned 
it will go on because we are in the kingdom of Maya. Just like in the snowfall season, especially in the western part of the world, you cannot stop falling of the snow, but for your protection, you have to take all possible precautions. In other words, Prabhupada's saying, we're in the material world, so it's not like Maya is going to disappear. You might say Maya is so strong. Well, you can, she can disappear, but she disappears from your consciousness by your Krishna conscious practice. But um, aside from your own consciousness and own practice, it's, Maya is not going anywhere. She's, she's ramping up her attack as Kali Yuga is progressing, that's for sure. So, um, so Prabhupada's staying, uh, saying just like in the winter, the snow is there, but you can take precautions. So it's, Maya's there, she's not going away, but it doesn't mean you have to be affected by Maya. And as we can see Kali Yuga is progressing, it's just getting worse. And from what I can see, it, it requires a little more energy now to be Krishna conscious because things are worse. Like you go to India, it's not as hard as it is in the West. You go to the Dom, it's practically you don't have to do anything. And the Dom's energy will just uplift you. But as you go further west, you have to it's more it's more contaminated, so you have to try harder. And so that's what Prabhupada's saying. You cannot stop the falling of the snow, but for your protection you have to take all possible precautions. Similarly, the kingdom of Maya, you cannot stop the onslaught of her activities. The only protective measure is Krishna consciousness. Otherwise, there is no alternative. So we have to engage ourselves always in some sort of Krishna activity. And whenever there is some attack by Maya, we shall not be surprised. Rather, we should immediately remember that we are in Maya's kingdom. Just like you all know, or you should know, or, or have heard that Prabhupada said, when someone left, if devotees were surprised, especially early in the movement, we thought that everyone, every young person, every hippie is going to become a devotee because we were so excited about Krishna consciousness that we found the absolute truth. We thought everyone's going to become a devotee. All my friends are going to become devotees. It's this is it. It's the truth. Every, anyone who's looking for the truth, once they find out about Krishna consciousness, they'll do it. Anyone who's smart will take to it. And then, some devotees who were respected as advanced devotees left, which was, for us, it was inconceivable. It's just, we couldn't imagine. And it was shocking. It shocked our faith. How could somebody leave? This is like horrible. Horrible, as Prabhupada would say. And then Prabhupada had to kind of bring things, ground things for us. He said, well, don't be surprised who leaves, be surprised who stays. In other words, you're the kingdom of Maya. It's natural not to be Krishna conscious. If somebody's Krishna conscious, that's unusual. So that's what should surprise you. You shouldn't be surprised because they left. You should think, oh my God, you're still here after all these years. You are amazing. I'm in shock. How did you do that? You could have, you had so much opportunity to enjoy and you're still here. What a shock. 
oh, and you left, you know, 50 years ago? Yeah, that's normal. Yeah, I expected that. No, we, we didn't think that way, but that's what Prabhupada is saying. So he's saying the same thing in another way in this letter. Like, don't be surprised that, there's, that you're in Maya. Like, hello, this is Maya's kingdom. You know, what do you expect? It's a real shock if you're not in her, her clutches. At, at the same time, Prabhupada's telling us in a million different ways, in a million different times, you don't have to be in Maya because you have the holy name. You have Bhagavatam, you have association, you have the deities, you have the Dham. you got everything you need. But if someone slips into Maya, as we were saying, that's the default position. It's kind of normal here. It's quite abnormal not to be in Maya. What's wrong with you? You're not in Maya. You know, something like that. So, that's the idea. Mm. The only protective measure is Krishna consciousness. Otherwise, there is no alternative. So we have to be engaged always in some sort of Krishna activity. And whenever there is some attack by Maya, we shall not be surprised. Rather, we should immediately remember that we are in Maya's kingdom. I could never imagine so-and-so would have trouble. No, it's Maya's kingdom. Don't be surprised. Be surprised who's not in Maya. Here, <laughs> it's, it's the same month, almost the same letter. Listen to what Prophet says. Actually, the presence of Maya should not surprise us because this is the kingdom of Maya. All of the uncountable living entities in the uncountable universes are generally to be found under the strident, excuse me, stringent grip of Maya's power. So, the presence of Maya is not a very wonderful thing. But what is wonderful is when a sincere devotee decides, a sincere soul decides to turn away from the attraction of Maya and decides, decides to serve in Krishna in pure unalloyed service. This one guy brother of ours on the Prabhupada Memories uh, series, he's, he's asked, how did you become a devotee? That's the first question they ask everyone. And he was saying, I don't know. I, to this day, I don't know how. It's, it just amazes me. How I was able to get out of Maya, she had, she had a hold on me. You got chains. There's a song like, chains, chains, my baby's got me locked up in chains. Well, you can change that to Maya. Maybe we can change the words. Do a Narantara-style song. Change the words. Chains, chains, chains. Maya's got me in chains and I can't get free. Whoa. Something like that. Uh. So the presence of Maya is not a very wonderful thing. But what is wonderful is when a devotee, a devoted soul, excuse me, a sincere soul, decides to turn away from the attraction of Maya and decides to serve Krishna in pure, unalloyed devotional service. Yeah, so this devotee, he, he's saying, he's, you know, asked, how did you come a devotee? He said, it, it's, inconceivable, it's inconceivable to me and if you think about it in your own life, I think you'll feel this way also. If you have an 
already thought about thought this way or felt this way. I said, I don't know. I just like it's amazing that I could get out of Maya. You know, one day I'm completely engrossed in it, and a few weeks later I'm living in the temple, doing Hari Nam Sankirtan every day, getting up early and chanting Hari Krishna. That's it. How did that happen? You know, it's like you ever slip and fall, and you kind of like. You're like, how did that happen? You have no idea how you slipped and fell and now you like broke a bone or something. You're like, how did that happen? I have no idea. So it's like, you know, you think back and like, how did that happen? You know, one day I'm in a sari or a dhoti with tilak and jumping up and down uh, like there's no tomorrow. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how Maya let me go. It's inconceivable. Like I got out of that mess and none of my friends did. Nobody, I was the only one. There was like, I was going to the temple, there was two of us in the whole university, it must have been 50,000 students. Well, there was three. Well, actually, actually, I met so many devotees that were in that university at the same time I was there. We just never met. They hadn't become devotees yet. So, not so many, maybe like seven or so at that time. But that's over like a period of three years. Like seven devotees came out of one university in three years. That's not a lot. It's like two a year. And after that, not many since then. Maybe two every ten years. How did I, how did I, this one rare soul, how did it happen? I have no idea how Maya let me go. It's something like that. What is wonderful is when a sincere soul decides to turn away from the attraction of Maya and decides to serve Krishna in pure, unalloyed devotional service. So this is what we should fix our attention to, serving Krishna sincerely. Then, automatically, the influence of maya will become nil, and we can remember our eternal, loving relationship with the Supreme Lord. So what's Prabhupada saying? You can't remember your relationship because of maya. Once maya is gone, you remember. That's pretty simple. Simple philosophy then automatically the influence of maya will become nil and we can remember our eternal loving relationship with the Supreme Lord. But as long as we are attracted by nonsense glittering of maya's call, this pure state of consciousness cannot be realized within the heart. So continue assisting Upendra as you are doing now and I am sure Krishna will help you in all respects. You what one of the things you see, a theme that you see, which is so reassuring in Prabhupada's, especially in his letters, is you you have these two two things going on. Maya is strong, very strong, pervasive as we're reading here, covering etc. means can't conquer Maya. So you have that theme going everywhere. Everywhere through Prabhupada's books, that theme is going, it's not a theme, it's a reality. But Prabhupada reminds us of it. Maya is everywhere, all pervasive, got everyone under control. Uh, Krishna book, the great kings, they go out and fight, they conquer their enemies, they come back, they have to bow down at the feet of their wives. Oh, please, will you make love to me tonight? You know, everyone is bound and controlled. Everyone is wooed by the opposite sex, totally bewildered, bamboozled, baffled. Uh, as we were reading, as we were talking the other day, so many men are bamboozled by pornography, addicted to it. So many people are addicted to drugs, addicted to money, and so forth. Uh, 
And then the other theme is, well, here's Krishna consciousness. You do this, you don't have to worry about Maya. It's like, so you have these two themes going on. Here's Maya, forget it. You, you know, you're a loser. You'll never, you'll never win in a battle over Maya. She's got you blinded, covered. She's got a noose around your neck. It's you know, useless. You, you can't fight it. And then the other hand here, take the Krishna consciousness. Maya can't touch you. You'll see, you'll see that theme all the time in Prabhupada's books. This is Maya, three modes of nature. This is how they work. Everyone's conditioned, everyone's controlled, and here's Krishna consciousness. And you're just some teenager, and Prabhupada's saying, Oh, chant Hare Krishna, but Srila Prabhupada, I've done so many bad things. Doesn't matter, chant Hare Krishna, you'll become a pure devotee. Follow this process, you'll become a pure devotee. So we see both those themes going on side by side, which is encouraging. Prabhupada had no doubt that we could be Krishna conscious if we take the process. We have the doubts, that's the problem. But he didn't have the doubt. I was reading this morning something that I, we've talked about before. And Prabhupada's saying, there's absolutely no material qualification. Krishna doesn't look at that. Krishna looks at your sincerity. So that's the underlying theme behind the theme that Maya can't touch you she can't touch somebody who's sincere. So Prabhupada always stresses, be sincere. Then what happens? Krishna gives you intelligence. What kind of intelligence? Bhuti yogam. What does that intelligence do? It gives you the intelligence to get out of maya and connect with Krishna. And Prabhupada, he knows this. He's convinced of this. He sees this. And therefore, he can come to America and see people who, technically speaking, you couldn't really call human. You, as Prabhupada said, what are they? He said, something wonderful. In a derogatory sense. Something very wonderful. Like like aliens from another planet. Like subhuman species. Who Prabhupada made humans. But even the subhumans that Prabhupada preached to, the outcasts, the Westerners, he, he understood. Krishna is pure. His holy name is pure. His holy Shastra is pure, everything's pure. It's pure enough to get these people out of Maya. It doesn't matter who they are. And so Prabhupada's coming, validating all of us as, uh, you know, we're not worse than Jagai and Madai, so if it works for them, it can work for us. And so that was Prabhupada's mood. You know, work for Jagai and Madai, and I've got a whole room full of Jagai and Madais here, so uh, jag Jagais and Madhais and Jaginis and Madinis. Um, we've got some very strange creatures here. 400,000 species of human life. We've got them all right in this room, you know, like, like species I've never seen before. But never mind, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the holy name, the holy name can do it. I was saying in class this weekend, I think it was this weekend, I was saying I had read that Prabhupada said, he was telling people, in India, he said, when I go to the West, if it's needed, we'll open a hostel and we'll serve them meat, we'll serve them eggs, and we'll serve them wine. If that's what we have to do to get them, and then we'll give them the holy name. And in three days, Prabhupada said, I am sure within three days they will give up all this, all these nonsense things. They'll give up their drugs and their meat if they chant Hare Krishna for three days. 
So that's the idea. That that's the theme. You've got complete Kali Yuga in full swing, and then you've got the process of Krishna consciousness, which can totally transcend all the influences of Kali Yuga. And so Prabhupada's he's out there doing the impossible, getting people out of Maya, which is pretty much impossible when you think about it, but he did it. Prabhu, how'd you become a devotee? I have no idea. I don't know how it happened. I still to this day, I just can't imagine how anybody can get out of Maya, but somehow or other I did. And if you look at your own conversion, I think you're gonna have to say the same thing when you think about it. I don't know how it happened. It's unbelievable. Um, okay. I've given instructions to Tamal how to keep the branches going on simply on the strength of chanting the mantra and following the rules and regulations. We shall pray to Krishna that we are weak and Maya is very strong, so seek for his protection in every step so Maya may not inflict upon us her trident injuries. Perhaps you have seen the picture of Durga carrying the trident in her hand, which is a symbol of the threefold miseries of material existence. Maya's most attractive feature is women and money. We Krishna conscious men have to deal with women and money in the course of preaching work, and the only prophylactic measure to save us is not to accept them for our sense gratification. Then we shall remain strong enough. Materialistic people take everything for sense gratification, and Krishna conscious people take everything for Krishna's satisfaction. There it is. Let's read that again. In a nutshell, materialistic people take everything for sense gratification, and Krishna conscious people take everything for Krishna. There's the difference between Maya and Krishna. There is no fault in the thing as it is, namely women and money, but it becomes faulty by improper use. The improper use is to accept them for sense gratification, as it is stated in Bhagavad Gita. We can remain strong, we can remain strong from this by taking firm shelter under the lotus feet of Krishna, by chanting his holy name incessantly, and praying always for being engaged in his service in this way. He will protect us from our weakness. There it is. Exactly what we were just talking about. Mm. It's there, 714, I believe. If you take shelter of me, it's easy. If you remember Krishna, it's easy. If you forget him, then forget it. Don't even try. You can't do it. Okay, I'm going to go see if you have any questions or comments. I was reading from my paper. You, This whole thing could have just popped off the internet. I wouldn't even have known. I would have been talking to no audience. Okay, let's go back, back. Wow. There's a lot here. Okay.
has books on his website. I don't see PDF versions there. Somehow I got it. I got an illegal copy. Uh, uh, but I bought the original book, so I'm entitled to an illegal copy now. Um, are there any illustrations portraying the physical appearance of Yoga Maya? I'm sure there are, but on the top of my head, I can't think of. There must be. Yoga Maya and Vrinda Devi and Radharani, they meet every day. I think in Vrindakun, they plan out the day's activities. Who's going to do what, how it's going to happen. The other day we were speaking with the devotee who was doing some illustrations and she could only find descriptions. She's very tall and with long white hair. Really. Poor Namasi. Tell her to look for Poor Namasi also. Because Poor Namasi is yoga man. All right, Subhadra, yeah. But in Vrindavan Leela, um, she doesn't appear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she appears in different forms other than Subhadra. Yeah. So, yes. I always used to wake up early and make yoga at the beach. Okay. <laughs> so we're talking about sunsets. Um. If Didi Darshan means Krishna enjoying us, should we try to look attractive for Krishna? Or it doesn't matter for Krishna how we look and what matters for him is what's inside? A uh, little of both. Well, more of what's inside. Uh, yeah, you should dress, I don't know. Don't dress like a Hollywood star. I would say that, but dress nicely for Krishna. I know the other day I was a devotee was at the temple and he was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Uh, I know a lot of some devotees do that, and I was thinking, you know, in a, in a normal religious organization, when you go in for a service and like that, you know, it's just understood you dress nicely. As a general principle, so I think we should dress nicely when we go to the temple. Huh. And the devotee will say, "Well, shorts and a T-shirt—that's nice in my in my book." But we know, you know what we're saying, yeah. Um, Krishna likes beautiful gopis, so you make yourself beautiful for Krishna. <laughs> so nice to hear about Prabhupada's deep faith this morning. Deep faith this morning. Sometimes I have to lean on that when surfing Maya feels like a well to tap into. Um, well, anyway, the point is, you know, Prabhupada's deep faith in the process of Krishna consciousness is just, it's just for us is, is a reminder that it works. Basically, it's a reminder that it works. And, you know, it's also a reminder that Maya works <laughs> also. Maya definitely works. You don't need faith in that. But uh, Krishna consciousness also works. Sometimes we need faith in that, especially you know, when you don't follow Krishna consciousness well, you can lose faith in the power of it because you're not seeing it working. Whereas 
if you're following it well, you see it working. So naturally, you you have your faith, right? You wouldn't need faith otherwise, because you have faith because it's working, right? Hare Krishna. You need to sit up like a yogi. I'm not so energetic this morning, as you can tell. Okay, should we have um, 11 minutes? Should we read some more? I think we should. I don't see any more questions or comments. I didn't say anything controversial, that's why. No questions or comments. We get more when I say something controversial. Regarding, this is from 1969, November. Regarding your business and spiritual practices, I give you special permission as follows. You find out of 24 hours at least one hour conveniently for chanting Hare Krishna with great attention. Wow either by the deities or any place, without being disturbed by anyone else. So you have 23 hours for other things. Now these 23 hours, whatever you do in them, either eating or working or sleeping, you always try to think of Krishna. That will keep you intact of Krishna consciousness. If one is always careful about falling down and prays to Krishna that he may not fall down on account of greater strength of maya, then Krishna will give him special protection. Beautiful. So that means we should always pray to Krishna, please don't ever allow me to fall down, and Krishna will give you not only protection, it will be special protection because you've asked for it. Special protection, it sounds pretty good to me. It sounds like, hmm, I don't have to worry. I've got special protection. But, the qualification is you're careful about not falling down, which means you're careful about your lifestyle and your sadhana. Uh, this was advised by Arjuna, excuse me, to Arjuna by Krishna himself. Arjuna was a great fighter, statesman, and at the same time a great devotee. A statesman and military commander has very little time to perform the routine work of devotional service. But Krishna advised him especially to be engaged in his occupational duty and at the same time always be thinking of Krishna. This is the secret of not being a victim of Maya. So-and-so's case is different. He definitely denied my instructions. So this denial is cause of his temporary suspension of devotional life. But if he has executed devotional service in the past sincerely, I think he cannot go back. Means, I think Prabhupada means permanently stay in Maya. So, the point Prabhupada is making here is that perhaps, he's not saying this exactly, but perhaps we minimize our understanding of the power of just thinking about Krishna, that it's it's purifying and it's protective. So Prabhupada is saying, Arjuna, 
He was not a sadhaka. He was fighting, but he had learned the art of thinking of Krishna, so he was always protected. So it's somehow or other. If you can remember Krishna, you're okay. Whatever you do, if you can remember Krishna. Sometimes remembering Krishna means, Krishna, I'm not remembering you. Then when you remember you're not remembering Krishna, then you remember Krishna and not remembering him. Hmm. You go figure, go replay that and figure out what I just said. You know what I mean. If we can be so Krishna conscious that we're conscious that we're not Krishna conscious, that will get us back to Krishna consciousness. I am so Krishna conscious that I'm even conscious that when I'm not Krishna conscious, that I'm not Krishna conscious. Because usually when we're not Krishna conscious, we are not conscious we're not Krishna conscious because if we were conscious we're not Krishna conscious, then we would stop being unconscious and we would be Krishna conscious. Right? So that's, you understand what I'm saying. That sounds funny, but if, if I'm in Maya and I'm conscious I'm in Maya, then I can't be totally in Maya because I'm conscious I'm forgetting Krishna, which we would suppose no, in normal situation would mean I should do something about this not being Krishna conscious problem I'm having. So that's the connotation. Well, I'm aware that I'm not thinking of Krishna, so I at least am in, I'm in a position to take some remedy, some remedial measures to solve this problem. So if somehow or other our, our view towards the world is through the lens of Krishna consciousness, then Prabhupada's saying, you know, you can be working all day, you're still good. And what is that lens? Well, one of the big lenses that Prabhupada has given us is the lens of philosophy. So you're you're looking at the world through the eye of philosophy. So in that sense, everything you're looking at, you can see through this filter. How would Prabhupada see it? Or what does Krishna say about this? What does my spiritual master say about this? What did I hear in class today about this? It's always, it's hard to forget Krishna. If you get, uh, if you get, if you're doing good sadhana, it's actually hard to forget Krishna because it be, Krishna conscious philosophy becomes so impregnated in your heart that you just naturally see things through that, through that quote unquote subjective lens. It's an objective lens through the lens of the shastra. And that's the power of hearing and chanting, that it impregnates us to a certain level where it's it's very improbable or difficult to really be in Maya for any extended period of time or to really be in any kind of deep Maya because our connection with Krishna is so strong. And that and it's so important that we can't disconnect from that. And so <coughs> I would say, if we find it easy to disconnect from Krishna, or we find that we can disconnect for a long time and not even notice it or not feel bad about it, that's a problem. You could say, well, I'm just weak. Okay, whatever the reason, but to, to not be upset about being in Maya, to not be frustrated with oneself for allowing oneself to be in Maya, to not do something about it, it's not a good sign. A healthy sign in Krishna consciousness would be that if I'm weak, if I'm being illusioned, if I'm being charmed by the things of this world, 
I'm aware of it and I want to do something about it. I don't, I don't want to be in that position. It's not the goal of my life is to get out of that position. So if you're in that, in that state of consciousness, then you're good. You're in the right place. And that's, that's what hopefully your hearing and chanting will do. It will bring you to that point. Okay. All right. Some comments and questions from the top of the chat. I believe they have been skipped. The top, really? The only thing that Prabhupada asked himself of Krishna is to protect him from Maya. Uh, not the only thing, but one of the things. He asked many things of Krishna. He asked Krishna to help us. Okay, now we have a, we're going to hear about the dress code in the Catholic Church. Or, or the Greek Orthodox Church. Shorts without sleeves for men. Short skirts and trousers for women. Well, men can wear shorts? Oh my God. Shorts? What is shorts? You mean shirts. Shirts, not shorts. Shirts without sleeves for men. Short skirts and trousers for women are not allowed in many churches. Dress code is there. It must be. Yeah, that just seems common sense. It's the house of God. Uh, I don't know what where I missed. I have no idea, Marco, what I missed. Uh, oh, your comment to say the way the way Yoga Maya works is amazing, especially too little when Krishna. Or Vishnu kills demons, Mother Yasoda thinks. It's by the power of her mantras, which she utters for the protection. <laughs> yeah, that's Yoga Maya. Of her beloved son. Hare Krishna. That's the one I missed. Okay. It's 9.29. We're going to end on time. Uh, Nice to see you, Rasika Manjari. Hare Krishna. Where are you, Rasika, in New York? Last time I saw Rasika Manjari was in Mayapur, like six years ago. Hare Krishna to you. Hope you're doing well. Okay, so we're going to end here. And uh, tomorrow I have a meeting. There's no classes tonight. Tomorrow night at 7, there's class in Spanish. I think that's it for tomorrow. Let me just check. I can't check because my phone is off. Anyway, you probably know better than I do. Sometimes I... I don't even check my calendar. I don't even know what I'm doing. Sometimes I check my calendar an hour before I'm supposed to do something. Yeah, I was a little busy. <laughs> I didn't plan for that. Yes, we want to meet you all in Mayapur again. I don't know when this um, 
virus is going to end. They're talking about vaccines. I don't know, maybe the vaccines will be worse than the cure. I think a lot of devotees will be very hesitant to take the vaccine, but I don't think they're going to let us into a lot of countries if we don't have a vaccination certificate. Maybe there's going to be a black market now, vaccination certificates for all the people who need to go into different countries but don't want to become take the vaccine. Yeah, who knows? I hope I didn't give anyone an idea for a business. Um, yes, email me. Let me know what's going on. Okay, so we will see you then. If we don't see you Tuesday night, we will see you Wednesday morning. And don't let Maya cover you. Let Yoga Maya cover you. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Go Premananji. Hare Hare Prabhupada. Jai Prabhupada. <laughs> Take whatever vaccine we need to get to Vrindavan. Yeah, I kind of feel like that also. But we need to be careful just to make sure that uh, vaccines, not, you know, sometimes the medicine's worse than the, the cure is worse than the disease. Yeah. Okay, Hare Krishna. Jai Prabhupada.